Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mobile Monger Podcast. I'm Janae Muha, your host. I'm continuing the conversations had with cheesemakers from the beginning of the pandemic to get an update on how things have changed a year in. On this week's episode, I'm happy to have Sarah Marcus from Briar Rose Creamery in Dundee, Oregon, joining me. As a forewarning, many cheesemakers live in rural areas with country internet, so the connection can be a little spotty at times, and since Sarah was recording outside, you get to enjoy some of the songs of the Oregon bird life. I hope that this helps give you a sense of the place where her cheeses are produced. Only an hour outside of Portland, Bry Rose Creamery is nestled directly in wine country, a consideration that Sarah made when moving to Oregon from the Bay Area in 2008. Sarah has worked diligently to craft award-winning cheeses out of her state-of-the-art facility and has become a beloved cheesemaker that Oregonians treasure. Much of her sales are dependent on the wine tasting room surrounding her and the numerous events that occur throughout the year. With much of those events canceled and tasting rooms closed due to the pandemic, how has Briar Rose fared? Let's get into my chat with Sarah to find out. I'm Sarah Marcus, and I am the owner and cheesemaker here at Briar Rose Creamery in Dundee, Oregon. Uh, we've been uh, plugging away since 2010, making cheese here um, at our facility. I don't own any of the animals. We work with local farmers, uh, buy their milk, bring it here, and transform it into cheese. Um, all cow's milk right now, although I do have something in the works where we are getting a little bit of sheep's milk. So that's kind of an exciting new, brand new development as of last week. Um, so that's like what's brand new. <laughs> got the most rare of the three major dairy milks. And uh, there's a farm that's on the Southern Oregon coast that um, has a lot of milk right now. They're selling some to another cheesemaker down there uh, as well as uh, exporting some to California. They have extra milk. They want to see some sheep's milk being made here in Oregon. And they approached me, actually approached me a uh, Oh God, it's probably a year and a half, two years ago um, at that point, And I wasn't w- willing to take on anything else. Um, and actually at this point, you know, we're actually really busy. So it's kind of a challenge to work this into our, our production lineup, but I'm, I decided to say yes, you know, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> we'll give the world. Um, and so now I have to just look at the, the logistics of getting this in and saying how we're going to do it, but we'll, we'll get it done. So let's yeah. go back in time a little bit and talk about uh, where you were this time last year. So when the pandemic hit month in, where did Briar Rose sit? Uh, well, let's see, we were kind of out of the uh, chilling panic mode and into the, uh, okay, this is our new reality that's set in. Um, I think we're still pretty much in lockdown at that point. What else? We had started to um, realign ourselves with this new reality. Um, cutting and wrapping a lot of cheese, focusing a lot on retail, uh, farmer's markets. Uh, we're getting going as they are right now, just kind of that season cycle that kicks in in, uh, in the spring. What else were we doing? We were selling a lot of cheese through our friends at Olympia Provisions. Um, we're just getting that going and they were doing a lot of mail order at that point. 
And um, since we're so small, it was really hard to launch a shipping program uh, off just immediately. And I wanted to focus on getting the cheese out the door and the shipping added a whole nother challenge. Um, and Olympia Provisions was willing to take on that, that side of things. So partnered up with them, brought cheese to them every week and it just like went out the door like gangbusters. Um, they said uh, when they launched the Briar Rose collection, it was one of their best-selling collections. It wasn't salami, uh, it, like the biggest launch they, they'd had. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, uh, they're doing it right now. I'm not sure why, but that's yeah. okay because we're selling everything we can sell to. So it's 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 okay. Um, but, you know, they're still friends. I'm sure I could call them up and go, hey, what are you doing? I've got this cheese that needs to move and they help us out. Um, so what else do we do? We've, uh, we got a lot of our, uh, like I said, we started doing retail cuts. So that means smaller portions. So we're taking our cheeses you know, the one and a half pound wheels or uh, like Demona, Honolly, you know, or Harvardi style and the wash rind semi-firm cheese. And um, Callisto, we started breaking those down into like four ounce pieces and then vacuum sealing those. And um, one of our distributors picked those up so they could get it out to the grocery stores. Since the cheesemongers weren't, didn't have the time and didn't want to um, handle the cheese much. They just wanted to put it out there, get a price and not have to take the time to break down a wheel, wrap and price them and just have all that that additional contact with the cheese. It's still a lot of the case, but I think that's changed now where things of course are easier. There's things that equal, have found their equilibrium. Um, you know, things are opening back up and there is more, a little bit more hands-on service, although, um, I'm sure there's still challenges. I mean, I can't speak to the retail side much, but did you I mean, guys ever stop making cheese through that point at all? Where was there a time where you took any time off of making cheese or were you continuously making cheese? Uh, we skipped one cheese make. That was it. <laughs> we didn't stop. Wow. Um, I knew I could make the, the longer age cheeses like Callisto and kind of get those essentially, um, in the bank. Um, it, and we could make feta things that could store longer um so we started focusing a little more on that in our production but we we're still making the fresh cheeses um the farmer's markets were still going so yeah. we had an outlet um we uh, transformed our farm store we, we pretty much closed down the building to public access so, um and we would let people in and we would do cheese tastings but with the pandemic we're like hell no, we're not letting anyone in here. We're certainly not going to let them start feeding themselves free samples. Um, so we popped the screen out of our window and that's our retail space. So I turned it into a little micro store, as I call it. Nice. Um, and we could sell through the window and we could maintain social distancing. Uh, when masks became much more prevalent, we were much more willing to really engage with the customers at that point. Um, so yeah, it, it worked pretty well. So for farmers markets, I talked to Tom Perry and he said that um, one of the big things in Vermont, at least, was that the farmers markets kind of lost their like fun, the funness of it. Like it was definitely more perfunctory and like people were just kind of walking up and being like, I need cheese. Right, right. Did you feel, did you feel that also? Uh, definitely a challenge. I mean, it was, 
it, I mean, but it wasn't up to us. It was up to the, the farmers market managers, um, what they wanted to do. Um, our local one here in McMinnville uh, decided to do a drive-through format initially, where we would get pre-orders through an app and people could, you know, so they buy their cheese, we would prepare it, bag it individually, and then take it down to um, where the market would be. And they would have a, essentially tables under tents and people would come and drive through or just walk in and pick up their orders. Um, that lasted for about uh, maybe six weeks, not even, maybe less than a month maybe. Um, and then it went to a more traditional format, but with much more space in between all the booths um, where we would still do the drive-through if people wanted to pre-order, but then we would also have people walk up and um, purchase. Um, but we had to enforce, you know, social distancing. And um, we also, it, it made me modify how we were doing it. Um, where essentially we would, we had, um, oh, you see them at, uh, like catering events where essentially it's a, it was a clear site lid that we would put over ice sheets and we put our cheese, cheese out under the, the clear lucite lid so they could see through this plastic dome what they wanted and then we would hand it to them. They wouldn't ever touch the cheese um, or we would put it in a bag and then hand them in the bag, that sort of thing. So it, it really um, limited how much we were putting out uh, but we still, people wanted to get their cheese, they wanted to get their truffles, they wanted their product, and it just made us kind of rethink how we put our farmer's market together. Again, no sampling. Um, people are starting now to ask for samples, so we're still doing that, um, and people are starting to ask for samples. It's still pretty restrictive. <clears throat> uh, excuse me, here in Oregon, they want us to like prepackage the samples and just give them like little little containers that are sealed with a sample and I, there's just so much labor involved in doing something like that uh, we don't have the staff we can't yeah and then there's all the um just all this plastic <laughs> like I don't want to do that um and our sales are still pretty good so at this point you know I'm, I'm not going to do that until you know essentially mask restrictions can come down and then maybe we'll, we'll go back to sampling but at this point I'm not willing to risk my employees or myself so you said that you were doing some like vacuum sealing of your cheeses and whatnot. Like what innovations did you do throughout the year that kind of helped you push forward? Um, the vac sealer was the big, uh, the uh, larger um, commercial vacuum sealer. We had a little tabletop model. I mean, it was a commercial one, but it was just a small, you could only do like one or two pieces at a time. And we got essentially something, okay, this is like total more information they need to do. So now we have one that you can do, it's a dual chamber. Um, so you can do six pieces on one side and vacuum that and then get the other six ready. And then you can move the lid over to the other side and vacuum seal the other six. So we can essentially do, we're always doing six at a time and it's a lot more efficient. And so that really, really helped us. Um, so it helped us, you know, get more cheese out the door and made us kind of switch to making more firmer cheeses that can tolerate the vacuum packaging. Um, our softer cheeses like Maya and Butterbloom can't take that. They just, that those rinds really need to be able to breathe and they can't take being a, smothered in plastic. Um, so we were making more of our smaller format. Um, so that was part of the shift. Um, and just focusing pretty much more local you know, much less you know, 
focusing on trying to you know market outside of our region. Um, just really trying to make sure our local customers are taken care of. Um, making sure once the wineries opened up that they got what they needed. Um, and then also like preparing packages for the wineries. Um, the smaller format cheeses, again, their staff didn't want to touch the cheese. So I had just a little retail cut that they could put out and sell um, as they were uh, doing, uh, they weren't really doing, they were doing tastings, but it was, they were doing a very modified format as well. Um, but wineries are a big customer of ours. So we wanted to make sure that we could get our, uh, our products to their customers because they have to serve food with their wine when they're doing um, any kind of tastings or uh, things like that. Um, what else? We, there were other local um, markets in McMinnville that were doing kind of a drive-through format. So we participated in that. Um, and that lasted for a while. Um, through the summer, but then their numbers started to drop off as people were more used to going to the farmer's market um, and our normal retail outlets. Um, so yeah, we definitely shifted there. Um, and our retail store, as I found, it was really just having this window um, and a sign out on the corner saying cheese with an arrow, it drew a lot of customers to our door because people were getting stir crazy. They were just like, I don't want to just sit in my house and stare at the television or look out the window. So they were going out for drives. Uh, we had a lot of people from Portland and Washington coming down here on the weekends just for the day. People coming down from Seattle just for the, the day to get out of the house. I mean, we're four hours away. So it's just a good launch. They could come down here, grab lunch to go, go sit in a park or by the river, uh, come up here, grab some cheese then head home. Um, and we saw a lot of traffic uh, much more so than we had in non-pandemic years to our farm store. Uh, so it was great. It really, really helped us. And that you know, direct sale to the customer really kept us going. And yes, end of the year, we actually did okay. I won't say we had like our best. No, it, it, we didn't have our best year ever, but it was pretty darn close. We had, we did okay. Uh, but we're so small, you know, not losing money is a good thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, <laughs> Made 30 bucks in the bank this year. Woohoo. Um, yeah, now we're going to go out and buy a couple cheeseburgers. <laughs> you know what? That sounds great. Yeah. So you mentioned Olympia Provisions and some of the winemakers around your area because you are right in wine country. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel that the community really came out to support you and really kind of backed that local vibe? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And people love, I mean, we, we sell eggs too when our chickens are deciding to lay. Um, so they want to get local eggs, they want to get local cheese and really support what's in their backyard. Um, our friends that sell, that raise animals and sell them for meat, they were selling out. I mean, it was just people really wanted to buy local and they were cooking more at home. So, you know, hey, let's do a local... Uh, try to do a local cheese plate so they would come and get stuff and then they'd go home and try their hand at making a cheese plate um so yeah they certainly were uh supporting us and our neighbors so 
How did things look going into the holidays? Like, where were you sitting in that when the weather starts getting a little bit more funky and maybe the road to the farm store isn't quite as uh, travelable? As... <laughs> we, we did okay. Uh, we still had people that were coming out. It was, we weren't getting the hideous weather yet. <laughs> um, so we sold, we didn't have the normal events that we have in the holidays where we sell a lot of our special cheeses um but we were still selling a lot to you know local cheese shops um we did do a small run of our bark wrap cheese which we usually make for the holidays uh because we have outlets for it you know not just the cheese shops we have special events where we can you know sell this special cheese spruce bark wrap it's ooey gooey we've aged it a little extra longer to get that extra extra funk factor um and it, this year, this past year, that didn't happen. So we were like, okay, well, at first I wasn't going to make Phoebe, but then my employees told me, no, you should, because we want to take it home. <laughs> uh, so we made a few batches. Basically, you made a Phoebe for Cheese Bar and a few other special events. And the employees mm-hmm. definitely had a big say in making sure you made some. Yeah. And then we did sell it out through the farm store. Uh, we still had customers that were coming and we actually stayed open year round which normally we don't do. Um, usually January, February is kind of quiet. But like I said, people were going stir crazy. And so even when the weather was bad, we still had customers showing up. <laughs> you know, if there was snow, no. But we didn't get that much snow this year. We did have that horrible ice storm that took power out for a while. But um, Yeah, that was pretty bad. You guys got hit really hard with that. Yeah, it was, it was not our best hour. <laughs> but uh, that was actually the only... <laughs> I couldn't make cheese then. I have, that didn't take us out, or the pandemic didn't make us stop making cheese, but an ice storm sure did. Yeah, that'll do it, you know, that'll do it. How were your distributor channels through the holidays? Like, did sales from your distributor start picking up a bit more around that time? Yeah, definitely. Um, they did. So that, of course, makes up the slack. So it, it was all, it all stayed in balance overall. It, it didn't, you know, it didn't totally go down the toilet. So <laughs> that was good. That's very um, good. And again, it was the people that wanted to get out of the house that kept us going. So it, the weekends really were helping. Um, and it's still happening to this day. I and mean, we still get a lot of uh, foot traffic. So that's Well, good. that's actually the next question is where, how do you feel now? Like we're, um, as more people are getting vaccinated, the weather's getting nicer. I mean, right behind Mm -hmm. you it looks gorgeous so um like how are you feeling as we're kind of coming into summer uh pretty confident uh there's a lot of a lot of people coming out um the wineries are really opening up again and that's drawing a lot of people to the area and then since we're kind of the complementary business to uh the wineries nearby i mean it's all agritourism so they're coming out to experience this area and we're part of that experience um and people you know the word's getting out oh there's this cheesemaker down the road and a lot of the people in the tasting rooms will send people our way which we really appreciate um and you know we do the same thing we send people to our local uh, neighbors that are all making nice wines um or to our local restaurants i mean people are coming out and and they're hungry and they want to (laughs) eat um so we're i think we're in a pretty good place we're trying to hire we i feel the need to uh 
grow a little bit just to be able to keep up with the demand right now. Uh, and then, like I said earlier, we've got the sheep's milk coming in. So I need to be able to uh, have the hands trained to be able to uh, do something with this milk. So that's pretty exciting. Had you worked with sheep milk before much? Never. <laughs> I, I did in one class um, down in California. I took a, a cheese making, hands-on cheese making class. And uh, there was uh, some sheep's milk there, but I didn't really when you call it hands-on cheese making yeah you can kind of stick your finger in and kind of see what's going on but it yeah. wasn't wasn't true cheese making uh as, as i do it here uh yeah. so this is actually first time and so before i got the milk in i did call uh, called in a favor i called a called peter dixon and said okay peter uh, i need you to put your consultant hat on and uh i don't care what you're <laughs> gonna charge i need to you know pick your brain and so I had a great conversation with him uh, last week before the milk came in. I'm like, these are my challenges. I don't know much about this type of milk. What am I going to need to do? And so he spent a lot of time uh, on the phone, just kind of going through the make that I was going to do and giving me a lot of good suggestions. Well, that's great. It's nice to have people like that in your back pocket, even if you have to pay them for it, but it's still good to have. So when you actually get the milk in, in front of you, you, you know what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, it's money well spent. I mean, yeah. if I, I firmly believe in that exchange of information and money is part of that exchange as well. Um, you know, it definitely, it, if I can, if I have to spend some money ahead of time to know what I'm going to expect and not have to like sit there and, you know, lose one batch, the, the milk is quite expensive because there, <laughs> it just is. You don't get a lot of milk out of one sheep. So you need a lot of sheep to get a gallon of milk um, and multiply that by 200 gallons. It's, it, it's a lot. So anyway, um, it's, it is the most expensive milk that you can buy that's available and it's, it translates into a very expensive piece of cheese. Yeah. So I don't want to screw it up. Absolutely. Um, well, and now you've worked with goat, cow and sheep. So like, how would you say that that uh, differed in the cheese making process, like just like the feel of the curds. And like, did you notice a big difference in how things, how things kind of came to play? Oh yeah. Yeah. It reacted very differently. Um, it's a thicker milk. So it's just, I mean, it's still fluid, but it's thicker. There's a lot more stuff in there and just, you know, we made fresh cheese as well as a, a soft bloomy cheese. So the fresh cheese, I mean, it doesn't take much rennet anyway. And this one, I over-rented it. It, it. I reduced the amount that I use normally by 30% and it was still too much. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, next time, even less. So it, it, was, it was remarkable how little it took to get that stuff to set. With a soft ripened cheese, same thing. It was not, I didn't over-rent it that one because I, I adjusted a bit more um, other factors that I needed. But it was uh, just seeing the reaction in the vat from the milk as it transforms from a liquid into a gel, it just happened so much faster and it was so much more reactive. Um, yeah, it was fascinating just you know, from my scientific standpoint going, oh, this is kind of cool. And I love the challenge of something brand new. So, I mean, I've been working with the other milks for a long time and now this is something that is brand new and it, it keeps me in, engaged, keeps yeah. me uh, 
my the little gears in my brain turning going okay how can we make this better next time and i've taken copious notes of like every single stage what was going on so i can make tweaks here and there so i think it's turned out okay um we're making essentially butter bloom in a sheep smoke form and uh so we'll see what happens i don't know if they're still little naked cheeses at this moment <laughs> they're good starting to get the yeast then they'll get their fuzz um so we'll see next week how they look i don't know i'm so and, excited and to try them <laughs> so yeah it'll, it'll be a fun uh right now working project so we'll yeah. see if they can get a bigger production going so well then having that kind of on your docket for right now of like a new fun thing to focus on. How are you feeling about the rest of this year and like going into maybe the holidays? I know it's really early to talk about that, but like, how are you feeling around all of that? I'm pretty confident. I mean, things are definitely opening back up. Um, just looking at you know, stuff coming in from the government uh, here in the state, at least, you know, once we hit certain thresholds, they're things are going to open up much more. Um, and we're on target to do that at some point. I mean, I don't know who knows when, but at some point. Um, and then eventually, I think once we're like 80% vaccinated, they'll lower the mask mandate. Um, so there, there's a bright future. We just got to keep going to get there. Um, and once you know, we can get more open, then I think we'll have more special events happening. Um, so yeah, I think it's... It, it's a bright future for uh, the retail and wholesale side of things. Um, confident going, looking ahead at the holidays, you know, it's still a little ways off. So there can always be something that can throw a wrench in it. If the world takes a right turn again, you never know. But right now things are looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Finger, fingers crossed that, you know, we kind of stay on yeah. this trajectory of moving forward. <laughs> yeah. and, and if a right turn happens, I mean, okay, we've got the experience under our belt. We can, we've learned from it and we can keep moving forward. It just might not be the forward that we were anticipating. Right. I feel so, like we're a little yeah. bit more primed now for something to happen because we've been through something so big already that like, if something else happens, yeah. we're like, okay, we'll just another pivot. We'll deal with it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Is there I anything in particular that you would like people to know about Briar Rose? We're, hey, we're still here. Come visit us. Um, support your local cheesemakers wherever you're from. When you're here in, in uh, Oregon wine country, come buy our cheese. <laughs> that's, that's kind of how I look at the world. You know, we that's don't like, ship. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, I was going to bring that up though, because Olympia Provisions was doing the shipping and I've been to both of your facilities mm -hmm. and they definitely have a lot more space and the ability to do things like that. So it makes sense that they would take that on for you. I've had nightmare stories about just with my own experience with shipping and especially in the pandemic. I mean, FedEx timelines don't exist. Um, I had a FedEx a delivery to a friend. I had shipped, oh, I don't know, probably last June, I shipped her some cheese. And um, the FedEx truck got hijacked. <laughs> All the packages gone, including our box with cheese in it. FedEx never reimbursed us. They were like, nope, sorry. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I'm not going to wow. lose more cheese. 
<laughs> and I think that that's an interesting thing for people to note that it is so difficult for smaller companies to do some of this large shipping that they expect. And some places already had it in line before yeah, the pandemic. Yeah. So it would be really hard for a place like you to be able to pick that up on the mm -hmm. fly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of pressure to do it. I People were emailing me and hounding me. I'm like, I can only do so many things. And at some point I have to say no. Sorry, come visit us when you're here in, in the physical. <laughs> That's all I can say. Right. Because uh, I can't, I don't have the staff to take that on. And it does, it's like a, another full-time room dedicated to getting shipments out the door. And then, you know, with FedEx not being able to say, yeah, they'll get it in two days. I'm like, sorry, this is perishable. It just can't. And then if it sits out on someone's front porch for 24 hours, a dog eats it, who knows? <laughs> Stuff can happen. Or, you know, it gets lost in the shuffle. <laughs> right. That's a lot to put on your poor cheese. Yeah. And then we can't absorb the loss easily. It's It definitely, it adds up. So where can people find out more about Bry Rose online or... Um, our website, briarrosecreamery.com, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I do a lot more on Instagram than Facebook, probably. Uh, and I like, I really enjoy photography. So I love to document um, little glimpses inside the creamery. Um, I did a fun um, little hyper, what do they call it? Anyway, sped up video of the make, actually, of the, uh, the sheep's milk cheese. So that's on, I didn't. I put on Instagram. I put it on Facebook because Instagram requires that format of square, not rectangular. So, uh, so that's kind of so you can actually get to see me making uh, sheep's milk cheese, which working name is Fuzzy Wuzzy. I know Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear, but in this case, it's a sheep. Um, <laughs> and if we ever do a mixed milk, it's going to be wooly bully. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. <laughs> And these are working names. Don't hold me to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So note, note to everybody listening that uh, you might find it under a different name. <laughs> yeah. Soft, bloomy ride, sheep smoked cheese, or sheep and cow blend. <laughs> so. so. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me, and I'll let you get back to your uh, your your busy day. Okay. Appreciate it, Janae. It's exciting to hear that small cheesemakers have found new ways of connecting to their community. Their continued success relies heavily on your support through all of the hard stuff. Thanks again to Sarah Marcus for taking time out of your busy schedule to share with me your thoughts and sounds from the creamery. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha, with a supporting feature role by my husband, Ben Muha, contributing on editing and music. To support the show, please find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mobile Monger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. There, you'll find a full video recording of the conversation, discount codes for merch at my online shop, get a sneak peek at the next guest, and even submit questions for future episodes. 
Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of Good Curd.